Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. He's got great plans in store for us. And as we enter into His Word tonight, I want to encourage you that you are equipped with what you need to overcome in every situation. In you lives the greater one. He's your ever-present help in time of trouble. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll help us even when we've made mistake after mistake. He'll help us if we'll just ask him. If we'll just listen to him, he'll get us back on track. And if we will make our relationship with him a priority in the sense that we want to hear and obey and follow and and respond every time he prompts us, every time he sends us just the slightest indication to move in a certain direction. We want to be quick. We want to be prompt. We want to be ready. And so that requires a sensitivity. That requires that we develop that sensitivity, that we learn in his presence how to respond to him, how to follow. And, you know, when, um, when people talk about prayer, sometimes you, you think it goes into this one certain category of, of petitions and, and asking and, and t- hard times of trying to trying to get down in an, in an uncomfortable position and, and, and pray. And it, it looks hard and it sounds hard. And, and all of this in the mind is like, oh, maybe I'm not all cut out to do that. But in actuality, prayer is communication. It's not a position. It's not a posture. Although there are times that we may, we may put ourselves in a place on our knees. We may put ourselves in a place on the floor with our face in the carpet. We may put ourselves in that place, in that posture, but it's not the posture and it's not the position and it's not that, that length of time. It's communication. So let's, let's look at a scripture that is a New Testament instruction in Ephesians chapter 6. And as you're going there, I want to remind you that Ephesians 6 is where the armor of God is listed, right? The armor of God telling you that you can stand against all the wiles of the enemy. You, you can stand. You are able to stand against all the wiles. That's what it's talking about here. And then he begins to discuss the the armor of God that we've got a breastplate of righteousness. Our right standing with God protects our heart, protects our, our vital organs, so to speak, in the spirit. The, the helmet of salvation, 
protects our mind from any of the lies and the deceit that the enemy wants to bring, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, that we've got our our loins girt about with the truth of God's word, that we've got our shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. We, we're equipped, we're protected. We've got, we've got the equipment to move forward with that sword as a, an, a weapon in our hands. And then he says this in verse 18. Now that you've got all this weaponry, this armor on, this weaponry, now that you're equipped, now that you're outfitted, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. The Amplified says, on every occasion, in every season. So he's not talking about 24-7. He's talking about, let this be a constant communication. On every occasion, whatever need arises, pray about it. Don't put prayer off to the last and say, well, I guess it's come to that. Now we got to pray about it. Like, like we've done everything else but pray, right? Let's pray first and we'll find a, a lot of unnecessary activity will, will be avoided because we'll have already come to a place where we've got the answer. So he says, on every occasion, in every season... So this praying at all times means I need a lifestyle of communication with God. I need to constantly have the the communication line open like that person who's got their phone on and they're walking through the Walmart and they're talking on the phone and you, you think they're talking to somebody or maybe they're standing next to you in line. You think they're talking to you and they, they blurt something out and you're like, what, what? <laughs> but then you realize, oh, they're on the phone. They're on the phone, right? We just need to keep that phone line open with God. Keep him in our ears. I, I've, I've got my earbuds in, my spiritual AirPods, right? I'm, I'm on, God. If you, ever, if, you, if you need to say anything, yep, I'm, on, I'm still here. Yeah, I haven't hung up, right? So this, this on every occasion and every season, it says praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So he's calling prayer a watching. He's calling prayer an area where I'm sensitive, I'm I'm overseeing something, I'm investigating something, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on something. Maybe it may be when you've been cooking in the, in the kitchen, and you've got water boiling, you don't want to forget about it, leave, go into the other room, and like, what is that noise that I hear? And you're boiled all the water out of the pot, right? No, you want to be watching over it. You're, you're watching over something. And so he says in prayer, this communication, there are things that we, we hold in a place where we're monitoring them. We're monitoring what's going on in that situation with our prayer The Amplified goes on and says, to that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance. So this watching, this maintaining, this this oversight that I'm, I'm keeping in prayer, I not only have to keep my purpose, but I have to keep my perseverance in it. Watching with all purpose, a strong purpose and perseverance. And then it says interceding in behalf of all the saints. 
Hallelujah. This prayer, first I want you to realize the effects that your prayers have, that your prayers are not just meaningless words being spoken into the air, but that when you pray, you are, you are making tremendous power available. And before we go to that, I want to look at an example, and uh, it's found in Na- uh, Daniel chapter 9. <clears throat> you think Daniel knew anything about prayer? Can we learn something from Daniel's example? Daniel chapter 9 and verse 3, what I really want to do is I want to see Daniel's example, but I want to see God's response even more. Daniel 9, 3, it says, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So he's including some activity, some posture, some, some uh, positioning himself. He's humbling himself. This fasting and this praying, this, this sackcloth and the ashes is setting himself in a, 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 a really focused, devoted position where he is, I am looking for answers. I have set my face to seek the Lord God by prayer. I've set my face to seek him. Hallelujah. You know, I, I came into the things of God not knowing anything about the Bible, not knowing anything about Christianity, how to walk with God, anything. And I, I do remember, and you may have read it in my book, uh, Escaping Hell, where I talked about, you know, trying to learn how to hear the voice of God. I was trying to learn how to pray. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know... I'm like, how do y'all do that so long? Because I'm done real quick. You know, I'm, I'm 10 minutes, I'm done. You know, I've covered everything I know to cover. What do y'all do for, how did you pray for an hour, right? I, it, was, it was something that I was not acquainted with. I'd never seen anybody pray. I, I know that my grandma prayed. I wasn't raised around Christian people who exampled prayer for me. I knew there were certain people who did have in my life, like my grandma, who had a walk with God. She's the only person I knew that had a Bible. I mean, none of my, my parents, my mom, never, I've, my mom never owned a Bible. My dad never owned a Bible. My grandma owned a Bible, and I have her Bible now. Glory to God. But, but it, it, I'm just saying that to let you know, I didn't have anybody that ever showed me by their example. And so here I am in church, and you know, I attended some prayer meetings, and um, I, I ran out of things to say about 10 minutes into the prayer meeting, and, and it, it was something I was trying to learn how to do. And, and so I think it's necessary for us to have this discussion at times, for us to remind ourselves that this communication with God, there is a... a a determination on our part. There is a setting ourselves to seek his face. And I want to say this. I, I went through all that to say this. When I married my husband, I found an example of a person diligent in prayer. I wasn't having to show him how to have a prayer life he still shows me how to have a prayer life. He sets the example of that prayer life. 
But it's not just something he does by habit. He relies on that time. And when we're dealing with situations, whether it's in our family, whether it's in our finances or in the church, I have found him not having the answer immediately, but knowing how to find it. He'll come out of his prayer times with answers. He'll, he'll, it may take a day. It may take a couple of days. It may take, uh, you know, him and he'll get in there and he'll stay with it until he gets an answer. Whether it takes a week, three weeks, he'll stay in it. He'll dig in the word. He'll, he'll pray in the spirit. He'll pray things out of the scripture. He'll stay with it until he hears from God and he's learned and been an example for me how not just to rely on what we think would be the best thing to do in the situation, but instead learn to rely on answers from the Spirit of God in prayer. Learn how to go to God and say, I'm not doing anything till you show me what to do, till you tell me what to do. Now, I want you to hear me. If you don't think God's really talking to people, you won't even put that Put yourself in that place. If you think, well, God talks to everybody else or God this, you know, it's kind of like he's, he's, there are a lot of people who love Jesus, but don't think God's an ever present help. They love Jesus and they, they, they're saved. They're thankful that they're saved, but they haven't developed this confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's a confidence that takes this continual coming to him, setting yourself to seek his face and say, I need an answer about this. I remember we had taken the church in the Kansas location. And when we took the church, it had, it was originally called full gospel tabernacle. And, um, they, they, uh, voted on everything. I mean, they voted on the, the wallpaper in the nursery. They had to have a vote of it. Uh, yeah, it was, it was being, uh, it was something that they had never had a pastor who took oversight. The pastors were just preachers who would just come and preach and, and the other people were kind of just had gotten into the habit of running things. Well, pastor's not going to roll like that. Pastor come in, if you want me to pastor, I'm going to pastor. I'm not here to, to you can't buy me. You can't, you can't just run me. If, if I'm supposed to be answering for the church, I got to be in charge to lead the church. And so uh, he, he had ministered that first year. He ministered that first year. And... Um, Along this way, because there were a lot of things that needed to be updated, and we took out the pews, they were broken. They, I mean, you sat down in the pew, and it, some of them were, it was, it was wobbly, you know, it was not saying. So we replaced with some nice chairs, and, and some of the people got offended because we took the pews out. Like, they were committed to the pews. And then when pastor took out the hymnals, they were all falling apart. They were all broken. They were all, and, and we were not singing with them much anyway. The, the hymns that we did sing, we had in the chorus book. You know, this was before we even had any screens or anything. But, ooh, honey, when the hymnals went, there was, 
But I'll tell you what did it. Now, listen, we had cassettes back then. And so after the service, we would take the master cassette and we would go to the tape table and we would record, we would duplicate. We had one of those duplicators and they would duplicate the message. And so if you wanted to get a copy of the message, you could just get it that day. Well, I had a bestseller one day. I was running the tape table. I had a bestseller. I'm like, whoa, we've never had. I mean, they were lined up to get this. And I'll tell you what happened. Pastor preached a message about Jesus being the Son of Man and the Son of God. And he said, he said he was 100% the Son of God, but he became a man and he was 100% the Son of Man. And he gave scriptures. I, I mean, for us, we understand that, right? We're like, yes, that's, that's the whole essence. He had to become a man so that he could die, right? He had to become a man so that he could be our kinsman redeemer. He had to become a man so that he could taste death for every man. Yeah. We understand that, but whoo! They bought the tape just so that they could hear that again because they, they were sure he said that Jesus was not the son of God. They were trying to prove, and, and oh my goodness, there was, there was a, an uproar, and it was coming up time for the vote, and they were planning, so there was these two gossips in the church, and um, one of them was the wife of a deacon, a board member, and so pastor was out in his shed. He had a shed out by the house that we lived in. He was out there praying. And he said, the the vision opened up before me and I saw this woman get up out of the bed and go over to the phone and, and pick up the phone and call and say, and God showed him exactly what was being said and what was being done. Well, the person that she called came into the pastor and said, Pastor, this person called me and told me to pray to vote you off the pastorate. They're calling all the people in the church telling them that we need to vote you out. Well, God had already revealed it to him. And so he called the board member in and he said, your wife is gossiping. And it needs to stop. And so this is your first warning that you need to tell your wife, you need to exercise authority as the man of the house and you need to deal with this. He brought him back in again because it didn't stop. The phone calls kept going. And he called him back in again and he's with the, with the witness and said, now I'm bringing you before witnesses that this needs to stop. And brought her in, the witness in, and the man the, the board member, she refused. She refused. It was, it was one thing, it was just one thing after another. But through it all, God kept, he kept praying and God kept showing him what to do. Every step, God showed him what to do. We were like, we didn't sign up for all this. What in the world is going on? But every step, God would show him what to do. And so when they, they had a board meeting and he said, I'm re- I am releasing this man off of the board because he will not keep his house in order. And 
They went through it. He had evidence. He had the witnesses. He had the people, you know, that had testified that that woman had been calling and gossiping and, and, and doing all of this slander. And um, there was a board member who was a friend of his. He said afterwards, he said, I planned to say no. But when I opened my mouth, yes came out. I mean, he was so shocked because he intended to, to vote no, and it would have, it, it would, it would have stalled. But instead of voting no, he said yes, and so it was unanimous that the man be released from the, and you know what? In prayer, pastor didn't have to fight that battle. He just had to stand because prayer, in prayer, God gave him insight as to what was happening and details about what to do next. And it wasn't something that came in one big download of a package of information. It was step by step. Okay, Lord, now we're dealing with this. And God said, call them in. Call them back in with the witness. Now call him before the, the board. Every step, he got the, the instruction of what to do by praying. So when we talk about setting ourselves, setting our face to seek, we need to know that God's going to answer and I've got to stay with it till I hear from him. He's not delaying the answer. I need to stay with this and I need to not let situations pressure me to go ahead and do something, go ahead and act on it because I want to pray it out. I want to pray until I have a peace about this situation. So Daniel, he set his face to seek the Lord by prayer and supplication. Look at verse 20. Verse 20. And while I was speaking and praying, so between verse 3 and verse 20, we have the details of Daniel's prayer. So now in verse 20, he says, while... I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin, the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, who we know is an angel Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked to me and said, Oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give you skill and understanding, which was what Daniel was praying for. He needed understanding about the situation that he had noticed in the scriptures. And so he says, I've come to give you skill. Verse 23, notice this. At the beginning of your supplication... The command came forth, and I am come to show you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. When did the answer come? From the moment he started praying. And God's no respecter of persons the moment you start praying. The moment we start praying, things start moving. Answers start coming to us. Hallelujah. 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 Now look at chapter 10 and verse 12. This is another situation. Chapter 10, verse 12. 
he's again praying. And uh, it says in verse 12, then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before God, your words were heard and I am come for your words. Now, this is a different time, but again, the answer that comes to him is from the moment you started praying. From the moment that you started praying, from the first day that you did set your heart to understand, your words were heard, your prayers are heard, and answers are coming to you. He said, I am come because of those prayers, those words. Hallelujah. The God's word translation says, don't be afraid, Daniel. God has heard everything that you said ever since the first day you decided to humble yourself in front of your God so that you could learn to understand things. I have come in response to your prayer. Things are moving. Angelic assistance is already in, in, in movement. It's already flowing. Why? Because your prayers are opening doors. Your prayers are activating answers. Your prayers are bringing a supply from heaven to your situation. So let's see that verse that I referred to earlier about the, the prayer making power available. James chapter 5, and we'll read verse 16. James 5, 16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Pray for one another. There's some, there's some added time to your prayer life. When you run out of things to pray for yourself, it says pray for one another. And then it says this, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective prayer avails much. The Amplified uses the phrase, makes tremendous power available. Dynamic in its working. Prayer makes power available. Prayer makes power available. I like to say it this way, you can stock the shelves. Have you ever gone into a store, you think it's time to close, you know I'm going to run in, I got five minutes to get through the store, they're about to close the door, but I can get the bread and the milk, right? And so you're running in, and you think they're shutting the lights off, they're going home, but no. There's people just clocking in, and they're pulling out carts, and they're pulling out buggies, and they're pulling out pallet loaders, right? And, and they're, they're, about, they're about to stock the shelves, why? Because everybody's been in there shopping all day. And so we're going to resupply all of the shelves and make, make the product available. We're going to put the product out so that it's available, so they don't have to call somebody and see, do we have any extra in the back? We're going to put it out. And when you pray, it makes power available. When you pray for each other, it makes power available to that person that you're praying for. When you pray for your children... You pray for your loved ones. It's making power available for them. Hallelujah. When you pray for your wife, your husband, it's making tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Hallelujah. I think that's what the church found out when, when um, 
They'd already lost James, the brother of John, didn't they, in Acts chapter 12. You don't have to go there, but put it in your notes there. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, tells the story of the, the, the early church when they had uh, lost one of the disciples, one of the apostles who had walked with Jesus, James, the brother of John, because Herod the king had, had murdered him, had executed him. And Herod got such a response out of it, he thought, well, let me do that again. And so he took Peter into custody and was scheduled to execute Peter. And the church realized, whoa, 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 we, we just lost James, the brother of John. We can't let that happen again. And so the church began to pray. And they were in a house praying. And it says... Uh, Hallelujah. It says that prayer was made for him. It's not in this text. Let me see where it is here in Acts chapter 12. Go with me. Let's see if we can find it. I've got the story of the angel delivering him. But I want you to see that it didn't start with the angel. Who sent the angel? Who authorized the angel? Because if, you have, if, if God has given the authority on the earth to the people on the earth, then uh, he's not overriding that authority, is, it? is he? Hallelujah. Verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church. The church made prayer without ceasing unto God for him. Well, it didn't say that about when John, when James, the brother of John, was taken captive. There was no prayer made without ceasing, and, and the enemy got one over on the church. But this time, they're like, whoa, whoa, we are not going to let that happen again. Let's get ourselves in a position to resist this. And they began to make prayer available. Power available, because if, if, if prayer makes power available, they're stocking the shelves for God to do something in this situation so that it doesn't happen the way the enemy wants it to happen. We talked about our authority today. We talked about the authorization and the activation of our words and that our words, well, prayer is one of those places where we release our faith and that we, we authorize in the spirit realm things for God to do. That he's not going to override our position of authority. He's waiting on us to take our position of authority. He's waiting on us to decide and decree a thing. And when we decide and decree it, then he can work with what we've said. He can work with what we've prayed. But if we're not opening the door to him, if we're, not, if we're not making that power available in that situation, then he's limited in what he can do in that situation. Although it's his will, and although he wants to, and although it's his desire, and it's his plan. Was it his plan for, for the rain to stop? Was that God's plan? When, when this example right here that is used in James chapter 5 is the example of Elijah, and it says, Elijah prayed and the rain stopped. Was that God's plan? Yes. 
Well, why did he have to pray then? If God can do it without me, then why is Elijah praying? If, if God can make it rain without Elijah praying anything, he said, you go tell Ahab to get ready because the rain's coming. And he went and told Ahab, and then what did he do? What did he do after he said, this is the will of God? This is what's going to happen. God said it's going to rain. And then what did he do? He went and prayed. So I hear the will. God told me, and I'm telling you, I hear the sound. But hearing the sound doesn't mean run yet. Hearing the sound doesn't mean run. When he heard the sound, what did he do? He prayed. He prayed until there was a greater manifestation. He prayed until there was a supply made available. Tremendous power made available. And, and let me tell you, I think the reason he outrun the, the king's chariot with his own bare feet, he outran the king's horses, the fastest horses in the land. How did he outrun? I think it's because he already tapped into the tremendous power made available in prayer. And he came down in the power of the Holy Ghost. He came down in the power of God that was made available in prayer. That's my viewpoint on that. It, that's not exactly what it says, but he did outrun the king's chariot. And the only thing that we can explain is it was God. So power was made available and the angel came and delivered Peter. The power was made available by the prayers of the church. Hallelujah. Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. They'd been beaten. They had been threatened, and they're in the prison, and it says they prayed and sang praises. And what happened? What happened when they prayed and sang praises? Pra praises, that's a communication. That's part of a, a, a prayer of, of praise and worship. Power was made available. Power that shook the, shook the locks open. None of the walls fell. The ceiling didn't fall. The roof didn't fall. Just the locks. Just the locks. Just a power that was such a, such a, a specific power. Such a, such a specific power was made available that only the stocks fell off of their, their, their feet. The, the locks on the doors all opened. Hallelujah. And it was the power of God made available. Hallelujah. So... We are to make tremendous power available in prayer. And if we don't make it available, then we're limiting what God can do in that situation. Now, God's not limited in his ability, but he's limited in that situation unless somebody releases him in prayer, unless somebody authorizes him in prayer. Have you ever heard uh, the quote from John Wesley? And he said it so many different times. If you look for the quote, you'll find so many different versions because he said it all the time. And so he said it several different ways. But he said, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. 
God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. One other way that I've heard it said is, it seems that God can do nothing unless someone prays. Why? Because we, we go back to the authority. He's given authority on the earth. So for him to get involved in a situation, someone needs to authorize him to do it. Someone needs to ask. Someone needs to have a covenant, that person who has the covenant, to bring God into that situation. Making tremendous power available unto God. Hallelujah. So we see here that we need the the strong purpose and the perseverance then, right? Because if our, our prayers make that much difference in the situation... Isn't it interesting that that's one of the things that the enemy tries so hard to keep people away from? The enemy tries to convince people how useless and how fruitless and how, how unimportant it is when it is one of the areas that, that activates the power of God to come into that situation. Hallelujah. In Luke 18, Jesus was teaching about prayer and he also recognized that it's an area that um, people tend to, to lay it down. They don't stay with it as much. And so he used a parable to talk about the importance of it. And I'm not going to go through every piece of this, but I want to look at just a, a couple of pointers. Luke 18, 1, he spoke a parable unto them to this end. So he's going to tell us up front what we're supposed to get out of the parable. You don't have to go through this parable and guess, what does this one mean? You know, some of them you have to like, "Hmm, what was he trying to say here, right? No, this one, they're up front. We're going to tell you what this story is intended to, to imprint on your spirit. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. Doesn't that sound like Ephesians 6, that you pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, with the strong purpose and perseverance, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Hallelujah. So we should pray and not give up, not throw in the towel, not, not grow lax or cold in doing it. And he used this example of this widow who went to the unjust judge. And she went to the unjust judge calling for and demanding and requiring that he would defend her. And it clearly is not a picture of God because it's an unjust judge. But Jesus uses the unjust judge as a contrast. He said, if that unjust judge who does not fear God or honor any, any, any people, doesn't fear God, doesn't have any, any regard for people, if he would do it just because of your persistence, just because, and, and we get the idea here that he could hear the persistence in her voice. It doesn't say she came many times, but he knew she gonna come. She, I can see it in her eye. That woman's not playing. She is not kidding around. She's going to stay with it until she gets an answer. And so I'm just going to go ahead and, and give 
her what she's asking for, lest, didn't say she had troubled him. He said, lest she wear me out by her continual coming, right? And so that persistence, and then he takes this picture of this unjust judge who really just gave the answer because of the tenacity that he saw in this woman. And he says, look at this comparison. Here's God who loves you. Here's God who is for you. Here's God who is, how much more will he not quickly avenge? How much more will he not quickly come to your defense and come to your aid? So he's not saying this in a, in, in a way to, to illustrate God, but actually to make this comparison, but how much more God will come to our aid. But notice what he ends that parable with in verse eight. He said, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. When did the answer start coming to Daniel? The moment he prayed it. So, so hear me. God's not slow in, in responding to our prayers. He's not, he's not making us fill a prayer quota before he answers it. Like you got to get certain, you, you, have, you don't have enough hours in on this subject. You need to pray a little bit longer on this one, and then I'll see if I can find something to do about your situation. No, the moment you pray, power is made available. Answers are activated in the spirit realm. But he said here, speedily, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, are we in the last of the last days? Okay, so, so this could be a question that is asked about our generation. When the Son of Man comes, Shall he find faith on the earth? The Amplified says persistence in faith. Persistence in faith. But he's talking about prayer. Men ought always to pray and not faint, right? So he's talking about prayer, and now he says persistence in faith. Persistence in faith, where do we employ that persistence in faith? in prayer to God about our situations that we need him to work in, that we need him to move in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Persistence in faith. So we ought to pray and not to faint, and he's going to be looking for our persistence, that perseverance, that that word perseverance that we saw from Ephesians 6, it means to see something all the way through to the end. To see something all the way through to the end in prayer. So that's the watching over. There are some things that you're going to pray about once with the prayer of faith, and you're going to, from that moment on, you're going to apply thanksgiving over that answer. You're not going to make that petition again in that same way. Instead, you're going to bring gratitude, you're going to bring praise, and you're going to thank God you have it because you believed you received when you prayed. That's things that you are accessing by the prayer of faith, things that are yours by covenant healing, things that are yours, the, the, the blessing of the Lord, They're those things that you, you can lay hold on with that prayer of faith. But there are other things 
that, that you're going to pray about more than once because it's not the prayer of faith. It's a prayer of intercession. It's a supplication. It's not one of those items that fall into that category of the prayer of faith type prayer that I'm just going to pray about it once and never touch it again except with my thanksgiving. There are some things that you've got to watch over. There are some things you've got to maintain in prayer. Hallelujah. Salvation of our loved ones. There's going to be some prayers that you pray consistently as the Holy Spirit leads you. We're applying faith in every type of prayer, but with the will of somebody else, I can't use the prayer of faith tool on somebody else's salvation. I use faith as I intercede for them. I use faith in my supplications for them. I use faith in praying over their situation and their life and, and the way their, their, their perception and, and where they are with God. I, I use faith as I apply the blood, but I can't, uh, I can't just claim it like, and, and walk away from it. Say, I thank you, Lord, I believe I have it because somebody else's will is involved. And the enemy's constantly working on them. And so if I, instead of me just trying to, to throw the prayer of faith at it, if I'll say, you know what, this needs me to watch over it. And so intercession means to go between, to intercede. If you intercede, you become a go-between. And so if you're interceding for someone Jesus has already done the work of intercession, but we apply that work in prayer by saying, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I break that deception off my daughter's life. In the name of Jesus, I pray for the light to shine. And every lie that the enemy has woven over her mind, over his mind, whoever it may be, you're, you're saying, now what are you doing? I'm interceding to break the power that the enemy is working in that person's life off of them. I'm going between him and my loved one and saying, you back off. You get off their thinking. You stop that lying. Well, you know what? He come back and lie again. And I may have to pray that prayer or a similar prayer again. Hallelujah. So when we look at this, we recognize we're not alone. We don't have to do this on our own. We don't have to figure this out all by ourselves. We don't have to say, okay, God, I'm going to be the prayer. I'm going to be the prayer answer. No, we go to him and say, I need you to help me pray. <laughs> I need you to lead me in this because he, he doesn't want you to do this by what is apparent to your senses. Your prayer life is not intended to be the defensive team. You know, on the football field, they have a defensive team and the defensive team only gets to score if somebody makes a mistake. If they want anybody to make any points, they got to change the team. And they got to get the offensive team on the field. And God never intended for your prayers to be the defensive team always having to come behind the devil and trying to stop what he's doing. 
He wants your prayers. If you'll get into partnership with the Holy Spirit, he'll make you an offensive team prayer. Not player, prayer. You'll, you'll be praying on the offensive team. That's why instead of getting your prayer cues from the evening news, if you're praying what, against what you see that's already in motion, you are already at a, at a, at a standstill. You're already at the, the disadvantage yeah. because those things are already in motion. They're even being reported on. Yeah. <laughs> they are so far into motion. But when you get over into the place where the Holy Spirit is prompting you, he'll have you praying things that the enemy is two or three steps behind it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah 21. Can you give me 21.8 in the Amplified? Isaiah 21.8. And the watchman cried like a lion, O Lord, I stand continually on the watchtower in the daytime. And I am set in my station every night, watching in prayer. That watchman was, was in a position to see what was coming. To be able to sound the alarm, to be able to give advance notice so that nobody have to be caught off guard. I promise you, there are things that God wants to tell you so you don't have to hear it from somebody else. When you begin to make that communication available, when you begin to have these conversations with him, he'll tell you things and before you hear it from somebody else. And, and so you'll be like, I knew that. I knew that was happening. I knew that was coming. He doesn't want you to be caught off guard. Hallelujah. Isaiah 62, 1. And the Amplified says, for Zion's sake, will I, Isaiah, not hold my peace? And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. Notice what he's saying. I will not hold my peace. I will not rest. He's talking about in prayer, talking about in seeking God until her imputed righteousness and vindication go forth as brightness and her salvation radiates as does a burning torch. Hallelujah. I, in this same chapter, verse 6 and 7, and this I found from the message translation, it says, I've posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. Day and night they keep at it, praying, calling out, reminding God to remember. Reminding God to remember. They are to give him no peace until he does what he said, until he makes Jerusalem famous as the city of praise. Now, God's not offended. He's not like, are you bothering me? I mean, are you just in my face? I mean, hey, every day you're here in my face, do you think? No, no, no. He's like, come say that again. Come establish that again. Come and, and stand before me. Let's reason together. Let, have, it's, it's, do you think the judge is insulted when the, it says, your honor, according to statute 232 of this ordinance, no, he's saying, I need you to come to me with the statutes. I need you to come to me with the ordinance because I want, I want what we're doing here 
to have the legal, the legal um, status on record. So when we go to God in prayer and we're making these petitions, the legal authority for God to move in that situation is now on record. So the devil can come and say, I want to know why can come thump God in the chest and say, God, why did you go over there and save the king's children like you did? Why did you go and show yourself mighty on their behalf? What gave you the right to go over there and bless their children? And God can pull up all the records. Well, on this day, they stood before me and they quoted that God, great shall be the peace of their children and their children shall be taught of the Lord. And on this day, they stood before me and they said that I will, God will contend with him who contends with me and God will save my children. And on this day, they said, and on this day, they said, I've got record that gives me legal access to be drawing their children every day. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's not offending God for us to stand before him and day and night call out reminding God to remember. It's giving him legal authorization in that situation. He's got the precedence. He's got the, the, um, the daily authorization to move on your family. Hallelujah. And it doesn't have to take you two hours either. I just quoted two of one of my, I, I just quoted you two of, boom, boom. Those are my favorite ones right there. Great shall be the peace of my children. Boom. God will contend with him who contends with me and God will save my children. Those are my two favorite bullets. I keep my guns loaded with those two bullets all the time. It didn't take me long to say them. I can say them every day. Great is the peace of my children. My children are taught of the Lord. God will contend with him who contends with me. and He will save my children. And when I really want to, to lower the boom, I, I pull out my scripture about that I will refrain my voice from weeping because God will bring my children from afar. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 But see, we're watching over some things. We're watching over some things. And I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit will help you. He will help you. He does not intend for you to figure this out on your, on your own. You know, one of my, my favorite stories is when Brother Hagen tells about praying for his brother, Dub. He had prayed for his brother 15 years and did not see any change in his brother's life. He said his brother was a rough fighter. He, he was uh, always getting into trouble. And, and um, he said, I had prayed for him for 15 years. Now, hear me. That doesn't mean he was wasting his time in those 15 years because there was a lot that God was doing during that 15 years. But he came to a place where he knew, Lord, I'm, I, I should be seeing more of the evidence of what I'm praying. It wasn't that he was looking for the evidence, but he just sensed there was something more he needed to do. And so he was in prayer and the Lord directed him to take authority in Jesus' name. Now, again, you remember I told you intercession means to go between. He had been doing all of his going between God and Dub, his brother. He hadn't done that other part of intercession to go between and break the power of the enemy off of Dub. He was doing all of this, and, and it was right. And God was, was in position there. 
to make that connection as that intercession, connecting God and his promises and his salvation to his brother. But what he didn't have was that breaking the power of the enemy off and the Holy Spirit prompted him. And he said, within a matter of weeks, Dub yielded his life and accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior and lived the rest of his days walking with the Lord. But he would never have known to pray it if the Holy Spirit hadn't prompted him to take authority over what the enemy's doing in your brother's life. Hallelujah. 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 So God will help us. God will help us. When um, it was right after 9-11, Pastor and I took a trip. And I remember it because there was nobody on the airplane. <laughs> we, we flew to a conference in Alabama from, from the Kansas location. And um, we were there and it was a, a conference and Brother Copeland was speaking at the conference. And I remember also because Brother Copeland that night, now during the day that day, Pastor and I had went for a walk outside uh, around. We had just walked up and down the street where the hotel was. And while we were walking, God prompted us to pray Psalm 91 over our children. And um, my oldest, Jessica, she was, uh, uh, I think, a junior in high school. And, and my son is two years younger than her. And then Angela is about four years younger. And so they were all staying with uh, Jessica was staying with uh, her friend and her, at her parents' house, and, and the other kids were at some of the other family's house. And, and so we just had this sense, this prompting to pray Psalm 91, and we did. We prayed the whole prayer while we were on our walk, praying Psalm 91 over them, protection. We got to church that night, and Brother Copeland preached on Psalm 91. Well, it was right after 9-11. You remember he preached on it everywhere that whole year, uh, War Against Terror, and so he preached on Psalm 91, and you know, Brother Copeland preached. So we didn't get out of there too late. And <laughs> when we got back to our hotel, we had turned the telephones off, our cell phones. And so when we got back to the hotel, we opened up the hotel room door, and the first thing we noticed was the light was blinking on the phone by the bed. And so my husband, I went to pick up the phone, and he's turning on the cell phone, and at the same time, I'm hearing the message that was left on the hotel room phone, and he's listening to the message that's left on the cell phone, and it was a message from the hospital asking for permission to treat our oldest daughter who had been in a car accident. They had been leaving from the mall, her and her, her other teenage friends, and this teenage driver that she was with pulled out in front of a Mack truck. When the ambulance arrived, one of the, the, the ambulance personnel said to the other, we may need the body bag because I don't see how anybody lived through this. But all three of those girls walked away. It was the Lord. But power was made available that morning when God had someone ahead of the game, ahead of the game, praying 
making that power available. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you remember when your son had that accident on his way to, was it to Pine Bluff? We had had a service in here that night and God had had moved in a way that we had spoken protection. It's like we had, had taken authority. And, and you came back and you said, that night on his way back, Caleb had been in, uh, his car had gone off the road into a ditch or something like that, hydroplaned. But power had already been made available. He walked out of it. Hallelujah. We had been here praying one morning and, 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 and we had, I, I, it was at the end of the service and the Lord just prompted me to say something. And that afternoon, Sister Evelyn went out to feed her chickens and a snake barely missed her, but it missed her. When it, it struck out to, to be, I was like, Lord, it, it helps to be in the right church, right? It helps to be in church at the right time because you can get power made available ahead of time that sets you apart from that tragedy. That prompting of the Lord, and when you act on that prompting and that prayer goes into that situation, it sets you up. Even though the enemy, the weapon that he formed against you, it was formed, but it didn't prosper. It didn't prosper. That weapon was formed of that car accident, but it didn't prosper. That weapon was formed of that hydroplaning, but it didn't prosper. Hallelujah. And that's what God wants to do for all of us. He wants to put us out ahead. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we ask for sensitivity. Lord, that we would develop that sensitivity so that we are are quick to yield to every prompting. Lord, that our lives are not so busy that we don't have time in your presence. But Father, let let us be wise. Let us be wise to set our time with you as a priority because in that time with you, you put us out ahead of every attack. You prepare us and equip us and you prompt us to make the intercession and the prayers that will make the power available. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you get something tonight? Hallelujah. I believe we're going to walk in it. I believe we're going to walk in it. Stand with me to your feet.